Hello and welcome to the Wagtails podcast. My name is Megan Corcoran and I'm the director of the Wagtail Institute. In this podcast, I invite some pretty cool people to come and have a conversation with me on all things trauma, healing, education and well-being. I started this podcast as I realized some of the biggest learning that has happened in my career has been through meeting really great people that are working in the field and having great conversations with them. In this episode, I'm joined by a long-term youth worker and a good friend of mine, Mike Stanley. Mike is currently working with young people in the youth justice setting, supporting them as they transition back into community to engage in employment and education. His main work is really around advocacy and ensuring that those in community are equipped to best support these young people on their return. We also talk about some of the strategies that Mike uses to look after himself and also really dive into what keeps him so passionate about the work. We hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome to the 11th episode of The Wagtails. I'm so excited. I've got my good friend Mike here. Welcome, Mike. Hello, Megan. So good to have you here. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no Privilege. problem at all. Um, so I always start the podcast by asking the guest just to tell us about who you are. So who is Mike? Cool. Um, I am Mike Stanley. I'm from Queensland. I uh, have been a youth worker for the last 12 years or so. Um, I grew up in beautiful Noosa Heads, um, being a little rat bag that skateboarded and surfed every day, um, who has then moved to Brisbane, had a uh, quarter life crisis, became a youth worker, <laughs> and has for the last 12 years worked in alternative ed in a range of different schools, range of different roles. Um, and for the last 10 years or so, I've been here in Melbourne. So working in inner Melbourne in alternative schools and now in the um, in youth justice education. Yeah. And that's how we got to meet was working alongside Absolutely. each other in alternative ed. In, in actually, we are both fairly new to leadership at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. <laughs> I, I, I do remember that time. I do remember meeting you. And um, I think uh, I felt a pretty quick kind of connection between our practices, um, just observing. And I think we connected pretty quickly because I think we've got quite a bit in common with our practice and what we value in our practice. And I guess we're also connected on that like new to leadership type of situation where we're both kind of trying to navigate that together and kind of pick each other's brain, I guess, and survive together, which was... um, which was really cool. It was really cool. So, um, yeah, I remember at that time, actually, that you and I both, yeah, we, we had that click and that connection. And I guess I had the, like, teacher lens on things and you had the youth worker lens on, on how things were going. Um, and we'd scheduled to have reflective practice with each other. We're like, let's just do this. Like, yeah, let's sure. block out time on our calendars and let's let's yeah. have time where we, like, sit down and we nut out our practice together and we learn from each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a great idea in theory. And I Amen. think I've got a memory of us maybe doing it twice. Easier said than done in that kind <laughs> of um, pace we were working at, I think. Yeah, but it was chaotic. Like, something would always happen where we're like, we, we were like, let's prioritise this. Let's put it on the calendar. We'll Amen. make sure we do this. And yeah. it's like... I'm in an incident. I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm going to be here for a couple of hours. Like <laughs> It was always like that. I think we um, were experiencing the same challenges um, yeah. at the same time. And we were both kind of like, how do we work through these together? And um, working in the space we're in, man, it was difficult to actually make things happen. You know, the, yeah. uh, the ultimate plan is to be really proactive and p- be planned and consistent, trauma-informed practice, etc. But... Uh, yeah, it was a 
it was a place that had many challenges daily, to yeah. say the least. That's what happens when you're in the largest alternative school in <laughs> Australia and you put as many disadvantaged yeah. and young people who are experiencing trauma in the one setting. Yes, it's a no. very chaotic environment. Man, <laughs> yeah, as, as challenging as it was, man, what a, what a privilege it was to be with those young people. It was um, such an interesting time for, I think, both of our careers and we've both come out... Um, post-working at that school together and go on kind of different directions but I think we both learned so much during that period oh um, definitely and there's so much yeah I've taken away from it personally throughout my years there that um yeah will always you know um impact me as a youth worker and just me personally as well it was really kind of a tough times but really really special times in between it all so, oh definitely it's like definitely it. one of my favorite schools that I've worked at and one of the best teams I've ever worked with too like there's yeah. so many great people working at that school oh for sure and we that had was, a lot of fun no definitely <laughs> there was many 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 legends that worked in the school and many who became uh, personal friends as well which is like so so wonderful when, when, when that type of stuff happens um so so many people with different range of practice and skills that I was able to learn from and kind of work with, which was, yeah, super. Yeah, I really look back on that time quite fondly. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. So I'm curious now, so you've moved in more into the youth justice space. So do you want yep. to talk about what that looks like for you now and what, what your role looks yeah, like? Yeah, so I work within the youth justice precinct. Um, I'm within the precinct daily. That's where... That's where my office is. Um, I work within a transitions advocacy area with the young people. So essentially working alongside the young people um, to navigate their return to community. Mm. Um, where, and it, it's, it's really quite a, um, a niche focus of uh, school training employment outcomes we're looking for for the young people um, because I think quite a while ago much before I entered the scene um, that essentially um, established that there was this gap between school community um, and youth justice and so now <clears throat> I'm a team leader within that um, within the school um, and, yeah, supporting a small handful of staff to, to work on getting those outcomes for the young people there. So it's been about 12 months now that I've changed into this uh, chapter of my career. It's been ultra interesting, ultra complex. Mm. Um, young people are amazing, absolutely incredible there. I, I'm, you know, constantly amazed at how, yeah, just incredible they are um the strengths the skills the resilience amongst you know the some of the most vulnerable young people in victoria uh you see it on a daily basis and it's just um yeah i don't know you will never get sick of seeing seeing how amazing these young people are so um range of challenges though of course is you know we're navigating the system mm, and the system it's always the system it's the justice system, it's the education system, um, are our main two systems, I guess, in a really broad stroke, um, which is really complex, but it has been a really good learning experience for me because before this, the old schools that we were involved in and I've been in for a long time were Catholic-based. Mm. This is now DT-based, yep. which is... Um, 
significantly different mm-hmm. and very eye-opening, um, which has been a really good opportunity for me to learn, you know, really get my head around a whole range of different um, systems that we have to navigate for the best outcomes for the young people because yep. there's um, there's so much against these young people and there's so many things we need to work through to really ensure we're advocating and, you know, really building a really strong plan for the young people. So, um, you know, all that said, at the core of what we're doing is advocacy. Like, yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that look like? Like say I'm a young person who's like coming up to my the end of my time. And you know, yeah. we're the voice of the young person when sometimes their voice is can't get out of those four walls. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it is prickly. Sometimes those situations, sometimes there is a school that might not be really interested in mm. bringing that young person back. There might be um, a range of barriers getting thrown up and we're the ones who have to kind of pitch this young young person's voice and fight on their behalf for them mm-hmm. um you know luckily there's lots of great organizations lots of great schools so it's not always like that it's for the most part we have really great relationships across victoria um with people who really want to work with their with the young people um but it's just like getting that voice out to the care team, that voice out to community of this is what the young person's goals are, how are we going to achieve it for them? Um, and so we work with the young person until the day they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, our work stops the day they leave, mm. which... I was curious about that. Yeah, that poses a range of um, questions. Um, and I think there is space for, you know to continue to reassess of the expansion of that. But obviously that comes down to a lot, mainly do with funding and staffing really, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think in a perfect world, that work would extend. But as of right now, we're we're doing what we can with with what we've been provided. And uh, it's a really, really fascinating role. and it's really, I don't know, I love it. I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still green. People have been doing this role a lot longer than me, but I still really love it. And I think um, whatever we can do to advocate for the most vulnerable, then then I'm here, all here for it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's a huge improvement on um, what I used to know of the youth justice setting. Uh, so I worked there about 10 years ago now and mm. your roles didn't exist. Yes, um, yes And it was absolutely. a huge gap. And I remember working with some young people and they'd be getting to the end of their time and, yeah. you know, you'd have them in classroom one day and then no idea what's happening yeah. for them the next Stay day when they get out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was absolutely. like, so even though it doesn't extend beyond their exit date, at least it's something. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. eventually. No, yeah, no, definitely. And, yeah. you know, we've now become a really good entry point for all these organisations of people who exist in the community. So we're now able to use what we do to bring them in, to to bring them actually physically into the space, to break down that stigma, to show that these are children. These Mm -hmm. are not, you know, I don't even... They're not offenders. They're not murderers. They're not whatever. They're children at the the end of the day. Come and have a look at where they're existing. You know, out of sight, out of mind is a real thing. Mm come in and that, that's what we're doing we are inviting people and in. we are bringing them in yeah um so they can see the facilities to really understand like this is where young people are existing mm. and if you're expecting them to come out and be on the straight and narrow immediately mm. then you know there's it's not as easy as that so yeah. yep. um that element has been really great that we're now 
just pulling people in and just breaking down the stigma and just yeah man oh children mate it's children what are we talking about they're not they're not gang members they're not whatever their children and what adults do we want them to be as well that's always the lens i've always looked at it through it's yeah. like what's it going to take for them to become the adult that you want to, want them to be in community yeah exactly. and, and what role are you playing in that yeah exactly and you know i don't know the easiest path can be chosen very quickly for many people in our industry mm. and this is a challenging path and it requires a lot of work and yeah there's some really amazing people who are either doing the work or want to do that work mm-hmm. um so opening the the doors to those people right now has been a really cool experience recently so yeah yeah it's been great well that's that's powerful i'm glad that's happening <laughs> working on it work on it. yeah, it's, yeah. it's still a work in progress it but, always will be though but but i'll never stop kind of going out there and offering like hey man mm. if you work in this sector and you've never been through these doors yeah let me know i'll I'll bring you in. Yeah, 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 yeah that's 100%. important. Yeah, for sure. So tell us what your day looks like, kind of from the moment you arrive out the front into, and then what does your day sort of look like from there? Because um, a lot of people might be listening, being like, I've never been in there. I don't know what, yeah, what a man. day in the life of a, someone working inside would look like. It look like, because it is a school, right? There's yeah. a school within the precinct. So it is... How do you describe it? So my normal day is roll in, go to my office, do the standard stuff you would before school, right? You're checking emails, you're checking in on your team, you're checking in on staffing, et cetera, et cetera. Not the most glamorous offices, but offices (laughs) nonetheless. Um, And then as much as it's kind of a fine balance, you'll probably have a lot of care team meetings, which all happen over Zoom or WebEx or Teams or whatever that may be. Um, And within those care teams, you'll have uh, youth justice workers, uh, client placement officers, Mm -hmm. um, potentially community workers, family, et cetera. That'll take up a good chunk of your day, depending on your caseload. And that's where you um, meet, talk about, you know, their... um, they're legal, you know, what, what's coming up for them legally with court dates, et cetera, how they're traveling day to day in their unit where they're placed and their kind of education updates as well. Yeah. And you use that time to inform the care team, you know, what you're doing with the young person, but also gain information from that care team to, to, to paint a larger picture of the young person. Um, Whenever we can, we're trying to spend as much time as possible with the young people on the units just to, one, build relationships, build rapport, um, but also start to work with them really constructively. So the young people all live in what we call units, so it's kind of like shared, I don't know what you'd call it, a shared unit, I don't know, uh, (laughs) with about 10 to 12 young people um, on your caseload. You have one to two of those units go down, check in with the young people. You could just be kicking it, like playing footy with them, um, hanging out or really sitting with them one-on-one doing, you know, it could be a Morrisby quiz. It could be preparing of like, all right, if you're going to get a job, how are you going to get that? Let's figure out transport. Let's figure out barriers. Really constructively working with them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that can happen on the unit in the classroom it could be happening while they're moving from unit to class or it could be happening while they're locked in their rooms and you're talking through the little trap where they slide the food through yeah um that is something that happens more often than most people realize yeah um 
any way, shape, or form, you're figuring out a way. Like it's it's pure problem solving most of the time with the young people of how do we engage them and where and when and striking while mm-hmm. the iron's hot and they're mm-hmm. motivated and you've got a minute. You also need to do that while you're making sure you don't impact their access to classes. So they have school offered every day, basically yep. just a regular school timetable. They'll have uh, literacy, maths, phys ed, etc. Um, offered so you're trying to navigate the timetable mm. as well so kind of running back and forth um, doing that and then following that up with care teams etc so you try and strike a nice balance between young person time and office time obviously young person time is a million times better than office time but it just depends on day to day so um, yeah it's definitely an interesting workplace but once you kind of get a feel for it, um, apart from the barbed wire, it is just a high school yeah. um, in which the young people are there to learn and, you know, engage in school, uh, graduate from VCAL, whatever it may be. So we actually had a graduation on Friday for a student and it was the most beautiful thing in the world. They had a graduation hat. Oh, cool. There were speeches. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we try and... Like we're focused on the education side of things. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, every day is different, but it is a real combination of kind of doing the admin work and the care team work and then hanging out with the young people and supporting them. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, I'm just backtracking Yeah, a yeah, bit, go, go, go. That you um, like had like what you'd call a quarter life crisis and became a youth worker. Yeah, man. I'm curious about that choice. Like what was it for you? Like you've had a bit of a journey already in youth yeah. work now. Um, what, what was that first sort of decision about or what led you uh, into yeah. the youth work? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wish I had some grand story about it, but I really don't. Hey, I was, um, I worked in retail for about, I don't know, 10, almost 10 years from the age of 14, basically. Worked in skateboard shops, clothing stores, all that type of jazz, managed a bunch of them. And I got to my early 20s and I just was like, this, this sucks. I'm so (laughs) ready for a change, you know, like I can't keep doing this. And then I was just brainstorming for ages. I'm really an indecisive person and um, not indecisive. I just really didn't know much about careers. I didn't know any... Um, I didn't really grow up around people with careers, um, never learnt about careers at school, never had guidance officers, didn't really have any adults in my life that kind of role modelled what careers were. So I was really like... This is a, super interesting because now you're not only like, did you find youth work, but you're now helping them with careers. Yeah, so look, I don't know. It's like some b- bizarro full circle <laughs> time. But so, so, so it took me a while of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I never really thought much about study, etc. And then one of my friends, Jesse, just one day I was trying to brainstorm with him and he's like, oh, my uncle does youth work. Like, have you ever thought about that? And the reason it clicked with me, not because I had some sort of like grand plan to save the world, but I connected the dots of what skill do I have? And I, the only skill I could identify was from the 10 years of retail was my communication skills. I could talk to people. I could build rapport with people. Ever since I was 13, 14, working in a skateboard shop, I was talking to parents and like I was really comfortable with talking with a really wide range of people. And I thought youth work, okay, I could... The one skill I have is communication. I can apply that to that and I feel confident about that. Um, 
and that was it. I was like, went and enrolled in TAFE in Brisbane, uh, did like a two-year diploma in com- community and welfare work. And um, that led me to alternative ed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my final, one of my final placements um, ended up being at a alt ed, a flexi school in Brisbane, in South Brisbane. Um, I had an amazing TAFE teacher Marnie Shea, who's an incredible academic, look her up if you don't know her, um, and has done an amazing amount of work around um, Indigenous education and Flexi. Um, She was a former employee of this old school and was like, Mike, you should do your placement here. So I went there, did my placement, um, learnt so much. Had Had never heard of Flexi School in my life. I was like, what is this? This is amazing. This is super interesting. And after a few weeks there, I finished up my placement and obviously the, the same old story, a job came up and I was lucky enough to get a job there as a youth worker. And yeah, I ended up with that company in 3D for about 11, 12 years, over three different schools. Yeah. Um, and that was it from there. I just was like, this is it. I don't know. I've struck gold. How did I? <coughs> I don't know how I got so lucky, but it was just something that resonated with me. And there was such a amazing culture at this school because I'd been there for about 30 years at this point. Mm-hmm. And the staff who worked there just were incredible. And I just soaked it in and was like, this is where I want to be. Like, this is the community. This is the culture this is the goals, like, this is me all day. Um, and, yeah, I've, that's what's sparked it all. And that's where, you know, over a decade later, I'm still like, okay, education is it. There's mm. no leaving for me for education. I might work in a million different, you know, avenues yeah, yeah. And, and landscapes and roles, but I'm like, education, like, that's the key for young people, mm-hmm. you know, protective factor outcomes. Yeah. All of that jazz that if a young person can get a really good quality engaging education, then that will, you know, more than anything in their life potentially set them off for, you know, a much more successful life. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just was a suggestion and, you know, it kind of sent me on this course. And, you know, I, I, I checked in with, with myself about um, a year or two ago when I changed, changed companies to be like, is this what, is this it? Like, do I, do I want to stay in this sector? And I really thought like, maybe I'd be ready, but I had a little break for a few months and it was like, nah, this is it. Like, Mm. no, education, like always is going to be education. So that's what's kept me around. And, um, that's where I think I'll always be, you know, it's just, uh, it's an amazing place to be selfishly like I love yeah. <laughs> hanging out with young people and they're just endlessly fascinating and endlessly impress me with their strengths and uh I just can't really picture working in a place where I don't at least have some sort of impact or work within education in yep. one way shape or form yeah yeah and Last time I spoke to you, which was a little yeah, while yeah, ago, yeah. you were studying again as well. Are you studying <laughs> at the moment? Yes. Yeah, so I'm halfway through a master's of secondary teaching. So I finally bit the bullet after <laughs> God knows how long. I'm like, man, if I'm going to stick around, like, 
in any way, shape or form, you got to go get that Masters. So, which has been pretty, pretty interesting in and of itself. So yeah. doing placements in schools that are very much outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, curious about that because, yeah, I guess so far your whole career has been around alternative education. Yeah, yeah. Young people have had some pretty significantly challenging experiences. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, They exist in mainstream schools as well, but sometimes we see mainstream schools work with them in quite a different way. Yeah. I mean, like, I did a placement recently at a a quite elite private boys' school, um, which is definitely outside of my comfort zone and... Uh, I guess it doesn't make sense to most people that I was terrified. Um, oh, I was, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, I had nightmares the night before of like, please, when I got to teach, like, I, the fact that I'm more comfortable inside a prison, I don't know what that <laughs> says about me, but it was, it was interesting. It was fascinating. Like, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a mainstream basher at all. Like mainstream is great for a large number of young people and you know obviously there's always room for improvement but um it was my first time inside a mainstream school since I graduated 20 years ago so it actually was like for someone who loves education I was like (laughs) whoa man like there's I I'm such an amateur at this so that was really fascinating to get in there and you know looking at the numbers of young people looking at you know how teachers work with young people, how young people are viewed, mm. you know, all these different things. But also looking at the young people in my really small, like, couple classes and kind of learning about them because I'm so used to learning, about, like, working with a very specific type of young person. Yeah, and for they sure. Are not, I mean, some are and they haven't yet, you know, ended up down that road of Altered or whatever. But yeah, it was just – it was such a learning experience, like – and yeah, look, it didn't sell me. I don't want to work in mainstream yet, but it <laughs> yeah. was such a good experience um, just to see like this is this is the majority. Like this is what, a, you know, I don't want to say normal or regular, but this is what most schools are like. Yeah. Um, so challenging though, man. Like unconditional positive regard doesn't really exist sometimes. Um, mm. The way you work with young people is really different. Like I was really challenged to myself to, you know, do anything around discipline. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Keeping kids back because they were noisy. I'm like, oh my God, this is <laughs> this is not me. Um, yeah. But when I do did have to do those type of things, I did it in my own little flexy, yeah. flexy of g- course. <laughs> gentle way of, um, you know, of just high expectations. It's like, yeah. just got high expectations, man. Always yeah. of everyone. I don't care who you are. Got high expectations. I know you can achieve. Yeah. You just let yourself down type of a little youth work spiel I'd give to him um and I had to wear a shirt and tie every day which was wild but um <laughs> if you uh know how I dress like you know it ain't me but um yeah I'm excited to just like grow my uh qualifications but my experience so I can give a really well-rounded practice um with the staff I work with and the young people from here on out like I can't you know really be around education forever <laughs> and and never experience the teaching life you know I, I I don't think that's fair I don't think that makes sense the more you know the more layers I can add the better so I'm super excited to continue down that and 
hopefully, and I don't know, I keep delaying the finish line, but hopefully the next 12 months I'll be done with that one, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, something we connected over to when we are first um, like learning from each other, because yeah. for me, um, I'd worked in alternative ed my whole career as well, yeah, but yeah. with the teacher lens the whole time. Yeah. Um, and I'd done a little bit of leadership before we met, but here I was yeah, entering yeah, a school yeah, where there was like 50% youth workers. Yeah, man. Um, and I came into this space being like, how do I lead youth workers if I've never been a youth worker as well? Yeah. And that was something I was really like drawn to you about was like, you're leading some youth workers. You've been mm. a youth worker for so long. Yeah. I can learn so much about best practice from you around yeah. that side of things as well. Yeah. So I feel like you're going to have this like great, great thing where the two marry for you, where you've had so much experience. You've got your youth worker hat. You'll have your teacher hat eventually as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, which is really I, cool. I'm super excited, you know, like the better practice I can serve the young people with, the better, right? Yep. That's the ultimate goal. And, you know, I think it's a perfect combination. Anybody I know that has the, you know, social work or youth mm. work and teacher combo, like yep. amazing, amazing. Yeah. So hopefully I can be half <laughs> as good as all those people that I know um, who do that. So... Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of combine that um, in whatever form it takes eventually. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You still talk with so much passion for the work and the field as well, which is really <laughs> great to hear. And I'm not saying that that's like surprising because no. I, I don't expect it to be <laughs> um, surprising at all. But no. what I'm curious about is like what keeps you going? Like what is it some wins that you've had? Is it some like growth you've seen? Like what is it that like keeps that passion and that spark that we're hearing while you talk? Well... I don't know, like, this is so, like, I don't know. I reflect on it sometimes and, like, surely it must be the young people. Like, the, the, every day if you spend a moment with a young person, you realise there's someone there to fight for, right? Yeah. And I'm not talking about saving somebody. I'm talking yeah, yeah. like working alongside with them to support them to overcome the unfair barriers that they've faced in their life. And I guess that's it like mm. you get that you i've never met a young person who doesn't deserve support right yep. like that person young that like and i'm working with like what some young people like society would deem as like they're gone yeah like they, they're yeah, gone yeah. they are you can't redeem these young people. well look we see people talk about young all people the time right in a really negative way of course yeah. and you know some of the young people we can't deny have made incredibly bad decisions right yeah, that have yeah. impacted well the, i'm going to even challenge you on community. that i don't even know if sometimes they were able to make a decision in a lot of yeah, those look, moments yeah some have whether there's or not quite a lot of them yes. that weren't in a capable yeah. in a headspace that would allow no. them to even make a choice in those moments. yeah 100 yeah. i think that's a much better use of the language around that because like we're not going to sit here and argue about the young people are developed enough that they really got <laughs> their consequential thinking dialed in yeah but I've never met a young person that you're like, nah. Exactly. I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna support them. I'm not gonna work walk alongside them to support them to achieve their goals because there's humanity in everyone, right? Yeah. And yep. that humanity is diminished a lot of the times, um, to for, for no fault of the young person's own. Um and I think that just keeps me going, to mm. be honest. And like you've got to look for those small wins and just go, man, like if I'm going to choose a career, if it's a career that has a level of service to it, then I guess I'm pretty lucky and privileged in that. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'll always have gratitude that I'm being given the privilege to work with the young people because not everyone gets to do it um, and not everyone's allowed to do it or whatever it may be. But I don't know, it just gets me motivated because, mm. yeah, I think it's 
just young people and hopefully um, you can make a wider impact of, on top of that with the systems that you're working amongst because, yeah, the, the young people always be worth it because, yeah, well, why not go out there and fight for them? Like, why not? Yeah. So Beautifully um, put. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I get real fired up about it sometimes and I get real tired sometimes as well. But, but like I was saying before, like, for me to check in with myself this far down the road of a career mm. um, and go, man, I, I still got it. I still got the passion for yeah. it is, yeah. is like kind of took me aback. And I was like, okay, stick with it. This is the right decision. This is the career. This is the life choice you've made. And um, I guess it's the right one for, for me anyway. Yeah, so. no, look, to be honest, I'm really excited to hear you talking like this because I'll be mm. honest and say there was just before we both parted ways from the school we are working mm. at, you'd taken a role that was actually more removed from the young people mm-hmm. and you weren't really seeing them and you were having See how to... long that lasted? <laughs> and the, you, weren't, you weren't the same passionate Mike that I'd no. met when I first started no, no, working no. alongside you right. and I could see that. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice to actually like sit with you right now and yeah. hear that passion for the young people yeah, coming course. through. Yeah, Because, no, um, yeah, sure. sometimes we take uh, roles that just yeah. like... I identified that pretty quick <laughs> and was like, this is not for me, man. So I'm glad like that step away was one of the best things I ever did. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Re-energised. Yeah. Re-energised. Yeah, man. yeah. Which is Pumped. so good and it's so nice to hear because I know that there'll be some people that are in the space right now that are in a struggle, like in of the work. Because, yeah, like, man. it happens. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there was a period in my career where I actually thought I was burnt out. Like, I actually mm. Um, mm. had a moment where I was like, I think I'm burnt out. Yeah. And yeah. I paused and I, like, I went overseas for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I came Breaks back and I'm good, like, man. I'm Breaks not burnt out at all. Like, yeah. I, I was so ready when I got back. I was like, it's not burnout. Yeah. It's just, um, oh, like, maybe it is and I had to recharge, but... I mean, every time I thought, all right, I'm going to change careers, I'd take a few weeks or a few months off and I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to yeah, stick yeah. around <laughs> with this one, so... I've learned that lesson for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. Um, so I'm also curious as well if someone was l- like listening and they're like, oh, yeah. maybe youth works for me or maybe yeah, teaching yeah, yeah. or maybe just working with young people that have experienced some disadvantages. I'm curious. What would you say some tips are when your early career, when you're first working with young people? Because you've supported yeah, early yeah, career yeah. staff. Yeah, of and course. Yeah. I think the initial thing is to be really aware of what your motivation is. Mm. Why are you there? Mm-hmm. Many people get into it for the wrong reason. It's generally a self-serving reason of yep. um, maybe they want to heal themselves via they think they can save or heal young people. Um, if you're doing it for yourself, it won't work out for you. Um, that That's my first one. Mm, it's um, a big one. I think we've all seen people in it for the wrong reason and they don't last. Yeah. They don't last because they have... You have to heal yourself first before you can be an authentic self in front of a young person, right? Yeah. So that's that's a big one. Before you even sign up to that university degree or diploma or whatever it may, think about your, you know, you have to be really authentic with yourself. Um, when you begin as well, just authenticity is so important. Mm. Like don't go in there and try and be a cool guy. Don't go in there and be <laughs> or just someone you're not. Yeah. Man, the kids will tell you. The kids have the best <laughs> bullshit radar on earth, yeah. and will call you out within seconds, and you they'll they will they will have no respect for you. Yeah. So you just got to be authentic. Like you have to be yourself. 
Don't try and be someone you're not. Really just go in there, be curious, be yourself, um, be open, be understanding, and just be open to new experiences and be open to mistakes. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Those are like, yeah, authenticity and motivation is something I think a lot about because if you can't get past those two, it's going to be really, really, str- you know, big struggle. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Authenticity, I think, just goes a long way. Like, mm. ju- just be really present um, and just understand that you're not there to save or to, you know, uh, your wish is my command type situation. Mm. You're there to work with, yeah. you know, you, you know um, the young people. It's always young people centred. Like, you don't know best. The yeah. young person knows best. Yeah, the young person's like the expert. Mm. They know what they need. Um, you might have this grand picture of, this would be great if they chose this. If they don't want to choose it, then it's not right for them. The young person is always at the at the, <clears throat> at the centre. Uh, especially in schools, I think high expectations is never, ever think just because they're in a flexi school or maybe they're in an alternative mm. class or whatever it may be that yeah, maybe like maybe we'll give them this type of work or, oh, they're doing okay, let's just give them a tick for this. High expectations because like if you keep setting them, the young people will achieve it. Yeah. Like they will believe that they can achieve it, right? Because yeah. how many people in their life have low expectations of them, right? So I think high expectations at all times and really like having the confidence to call a young person out when they're not living up to their high expectations is like, hey, what's what's going on here, man? Like, yeah, we can do better in this situation. How are we going to do better next time? You know, um, I think one of the last things is just like you've got to model. You've got to model it. If you're going to present a practice, whether it be um, whatever the four principles or Whatever it may be, even trauma-informed practice, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, You don't just do it when the kids are around. It should be in your practice every moment you're at a school, right? Um, or, you know, anytime you're, you're in the workplace, this should be something you're really living. Um, it shouldn't just be something you activate for five minutes here and there. Mm, yeah. Um, because it just doesn't make sense and it should just be... And everything you do, your interaction with your co-workers, your interaction with the drivers on the road, you know, just yeah. everything you do, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you treat people, everything should be like considered a learning experience for the young person. So it should be thoughtfully modelled and intentional. Like you should, if I stop you at any moment and say, why did you do this? I hope that youth workers should have an answer of like, oh, I did this because of this. Like everything's intentional and can be explained um, through whatever practice lens, you know. So, yep. um, and look, I'm not, I'm not an academic, but when you see, you know, something in action, you should be able to say, this is why I've done it. So yep. I think being really intentional and the modelling is just you got to walk the walk, you know. It's all good to talk to students and tell them that they need to be nice to each other and kind mm. and mm-hmm. and be respectful and all that jazz. If you're not doing it, then, yeah, 100%. then it's pointless, right? Yeah, and yep. so, um, 
Yeah, that modeling is huge. Yeah, it's like the classic old like teacher yells because the students are being loud and they're yelling at them to stop being loud. Right. It's like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, you know. So I think just that that you have to authentically model. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, love that. Great tip, sir. And we used to bond over the high expectations piece (laughs) a lot. Always, man. I love high expectations, man. Yeah. (laughs) And like like, I authentically believe the young people can achieve those high expectations. I'm not... Yeah, I'm and they not, need an adult to believe that yeah, of them because, as you fibbing, mentioned, yeah. like so many people have low expectations of them and yep. they develop them for themselves too. 100%. And they need an adult to come in and go, I believe in you yeah. and here's where the benchmark yeah. is for today like, and we're going to aim for that. Yeah, And to be and honest... And in everything. It's not just in their academic work. It's in their behaviour, their interactions, everything. their relationships. Yeah. And, you know, have the confidence to, like, gently call the young person yeah. out of, hey, man... You're blowing it. Like, you are not meeting these high expectations. Do you understand why these yeah. high expectations? Because you can do it. Yeah. We're not setting them there to, for you to fail. We set them because we truly believe you can achieve whatever it is. What's going on? All right, let's problem solve. Next time, how are we going to achieve it? Like, it's not, it's not bullshit. Yeah. You're authentic with your high expectations. Yeah. Love it. Great tips. <laughs> Amazing tips. <laughs> Love it. So good. And just if anyone was listening, they're like, oh, I'm kind of considering becoming like something Amen. in this field. This stuff develops over time too. Over like, time. You need, yeah, man. you need supported and, like leaders or mentors around you and, to support you with that. And we all learn in different ways, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. like I was thinking about it recently and I'm an experiential learner, right? Like, yeah, I can read documents. I can read practices and books, mm. but it doesn't, sit with me i need to experience it right and yeah. the best experiences i've had is working with people who are phenomenal and just soaking it in even people who aren't so phenomenal sometimes i'll have a couple really good traits and i'll be like yep taking that taking yeah that, taking that yeah i got really lucky early on in my career in my first workplace that i worked with a range of people that i was just and because i was so green i was trying to be that sponge and I got so much from it to begin with. Like I got really lucky because, mm. like, the culture in the first place was amazing. The practice was, the people doing it were amazing, and they weren't shy to share mm. what they were doing and why with me. Yeah. And I got really lucky from that. So and important. that was like that is still remains the core of my practice. Um, and as I've gone along, I've just picked cherry picked from people and looked at it because yeah, I'm just. I'll read books and I'll read academics, but I need to see someone doing it. That's just how I learn. You yeah. know, that, that's how I've, I've, I've absorbed it. It's on the job. It's in hectic situations. It's with constructive feedback from staff. It's being on camps. It's, it's all these different things um, that I've used to develop who I am. So I've got a lot of people to thank. Like I'm just a result of hundreds of people right like you can't go up by yourself yeah not at and all so i'm just the result of you know i worked with my first school there was people like martin kelly tracy pratt adrian green all these people who i was just like boom 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 thank you thank you thank you sam wyrout all these people and then as i went you know even where i'm at now i'm picking i'm just oh i see what you're doing over there i see this teacher thomas doing this this teacher wilma doing this like beautiful all right adding that to my repertoire so yeah yeah that's kind of how i've developed who i am um yep. and it's not easy to explain because i can't always put into the really succinct words but i can say i saw someone do this and 
I think it works. So I've developed it into this. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> good way to good way to work and learn. <laughs> um, I'm curious as well because the work is quite complex. Yeah. What do you do to look after yourself so that you can show up and bring your best self hey. into it? Um, I think you know. Uh, <laughs> I like to run. Yeah. I like to run. I picked up running. Not a few... just a little bit of running. You run fairly far. I like far. to run a lot. <laughs> Never that fast, but I like to run long and far. Um, I picked that up a couple of years ago. I think I really got deep into it in COVID mm. um, because we had no option, but you had one, what, one hour a day, 5Ks within your house, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'd always dabble with, with running just to force myself to exercise. And I was like, this sucks. I hate running. Why do I do it? And then something changed in me. Um, I had a good friend, Matt Newman, that put me on the path down running. He's a diehard runner and... I asked him, I'm like, what is it about running? I don't get it. Mm. Like, spell it out to me. And mm. he, he just gave, he just dropped a few things to me of like, this is why I love it. And I was like, oh, I can get on board with that. And so now I run a lot. Um, and that's my favorite, man. Like, yeah, that's my main thing right now is like, I never thought I'd be that person, but here I am looking forward to every run, looking forward. Mm. I look forward to most my long runs on the weekend, which I don't know why I'm a sucker for punishment, but I'll run for hours and there's something about just being in my head for a few hours mm. that I love. Yeah. Because sometimes I avoid being in my head because I'm like, there's too much going on. Let's stare at YouTube or something to kind of block (laughs) the thoughts. But there's something about running where it's just I daydream, I process, I reflect, I empty the bucket of thoughts or whatever I process it through. I do do a lot of daydreaming of like aspirational daydreaming while I run, which I have identified as something that I really, really enjoy of like... What am I looking forward to? What What's something aspirational I've been thinking about? Um, so that would be my main one. Um, before running, used to be skateboarding a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm not skateboarding as much as I was. Um, but I think skateboarding is just similar in regards to it's alone, it's a solo activity. Yeah. It's mindful as well because especially skateboarding different to running is like you need to be focused or you mm, are going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So that was really good in, in that regard. Um, you you know how passionate I am about skateboarding in a lot of different ways. But, um, yeah, I think running and I think I also do, this might sound counterproductive, is guilt-free mindlessness. Oh, well, yeah. I've been thinking about this yeah, a lot yeah. lately because there's so much guilt around scrolling or staring at YouTube or all those types of things. But I think I use it as this is me time. This is where I completely shut off and I'll stare at something stupid for 15 minutes. That that isn't about, you know, it's about nothing really, right? It's very disposable information that I'm consuming. Yeah. But I've really kind of detached the guilt that's kind of usually attached with it of like too much screen time. Instagram's Mm. rotting your brain. I'm like, no, man, like, you know, I'm moderating it, of course, but I think that kind of... I don't know. I'm trying to flip the script on that I one. I should really because like I that think, you have, though. I, yeah, I don't know. Because we, we, like, trash ourselves so hard about certain things. For like, sure. we, we put guilt on ourselves Very about easily. so many things, like the way we eat yeah. or not going to bed early enough. Or, yeah, like, we're already exactly. so hard on ourselves. Exactly. And so, I'm, yeah. like, I'm really 
you have to be conscious of that, right? Because obviously there's lots of downsides to social media, etc. We all know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really conscious with what I'm consuming. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's actually thoughtful stuff. It's still garbage. Yeah, but like we need mindless still, time. <laughs> yeah, 100%, you know. Yeah. It's just instead of watching some like home and away or something i've replaced it yeah, with exactly. something like yeah. a modern day version which is just staring <laughs> at instagram or some youtube vlog or something ridiculous <laughs> and i've thought about that a lot lately that i'm like actually i think that is a well-being strategy mm. um yeah yeah oh, no, i'm glad you it, brought that one it's up it's something i've contemplated a lot yeah Ma- maybe a little bit too much lately but um <laughs> but yeah but yeah running's my Number yeah. one, man. Number and look, I ran a half marathon because of Amen. you. Amen. <laughs> so good. What an accomplishment, man. I should be so proud of that. Yeah. That was my first half marathon as well. As, yeah. But like, yeah. I'm the idiot who kept doing those. Yeah, yeah. Know? That was the thing. So, we kind of all got to the end. And we're like, all right, we did that thing. And you're yeah. like, no, nah, I'm doing a yeah, marathon next. Like, yeah. But in saying that, I've gained more injuries from running over the last three years than I have my whole life skateboarding. Yeah, so yeah. it's still probably not the greatest life choice. Um but, you know, it is what it is. I'm made yep. of glass, but love it. I can't yeah. wait to go for a run tomorrow. <laughs> How corny that. does that sound? Oh, no, it's so good. I, I hate so myself. Good. That's a shocking <laughs> thing to say. Oh, so man. good. Well, Mike, we're coming really close to the end of our time oh, together. Um, and as you know, mm-hmm. there are five questions that happen at the end of every Wagtails These podcast. These have been keeping me up at night, Megan. <laughs> well, you might be one of the first mm-hmm. guests who actually knows the questions, I think. Some pretend that they've Whether listened or not, to an episode, I'll have but good, I can tell. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have good answers, but I'm definitely There's no such thing them. as bad answers. All right, all right. So <clears> the <throat> first question then is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't answer that one. I've That's thought okay. about that one a lot. And I think, like, going back to what I was saying is, like... If I was a little kid, man, it was probably something sports related. I loved rugby league when I was a young fella. Which turned into a passion for surfing and skateboarding, and mm. I like, and I get really into like I just don't do it as a hobby. I'd get, I'd buy every magazine, I'd mm. learn about every person, etc. So it was probably always like I want to be one of those, yeah, those people. But like I was, I've, I've been racking my brain. Like primary school, high school, I, I no, no idea. I had yeah. absolutely no idea. Um, I always enjoyed writing. I attempted to go to university for about two weeks when I was 18 for journalism. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I was like, no, nah, I just want to work and earn money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really enjoy writing, but um, to be honest, like I didn't have anybody in my life that kind of portrayed career or career choice or even spoke about career choice, whether it be at school or in my um, personal life. So pretty pretty aimless man yeah i was a pretty happy-go-lucky kid but i just like i was just floating along cruising yeah Um, yeah so yeah i think like the the lightning bolt was was the youth work thing yeah yeah to be like very very open it was um i was like damn i really i had no idea what it like yeah yeah. when when i left school in uh in grade 12 i had no idea what i was doing no yeah. idea. Yeah, I was actually the same as I, you. Yeah. I, and no one at the time from my family had been to university. So yeah. even the concept of university didn't exist and I wasn't motivated for uni. I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know, whatever. And um, yeah, so I just kind of floated around for a long time until I found my calling, I guess. So, yeah. 
I'm just a slow burn, you know. That's, that's all. cool. That's all yeah, good. but you found it, and now you're fully, oh, man, fully like, found it. <laughs> I'm psyched I got here. It just yeah, took yeah. a long ass time. That's all. That's cool. Uh, the second question: What are your two top values? Yeah, I think um, I reckon I've already kind of mentioned them. Maybe like I think authenticity is really important mm. to me as a person. Uh, but also to everyone around me, right? Yeah. And yeah. I also want people to view me as authentic. Right? Yeah. So I guess it's that back and forth of, um, if you you know you got to do what you believe, um, and if you don't believe in it, don't do it. Mm. Um, I really believe in what I've done with my life and my career, and I believe in what I continue to do day to day with the young people and my, and my life choices around my career. But so I really think I'm being authentic to myself in those choices. And um, I hope that the people around me view me as authentic because, you know, that's something I really value in the people around me, not just in work, but in personal life. But I think, um, you know, authentic is just so important because, Authentic like means so much because for me something like authentic means like knowing when you when you need to say sorry, knowing when you should celebrate something like knowing just you know the reason behind why you've done something. So I think being authentic is really difficult because um, I think you have to be pretty in touch with who you are as a person to be authentic and that's like a big mm. journey oh for sure i think it's a matter you know yeah, yeah obviously it's, it's a lifelong journey yeah but i think i've also benefited selfishly from the career i've chosen because what we do is learn about how people work right mm. but then you just apply it to yourself yeah, and, yeah. and then you use that for your own self-understanding 100%. And everything i do professionally has actually helped me personally yeah. so you know i feel like it's really helped me understand who I am, which in turn has made me, has given me the skills to hopefully be really authentic with people. Because I'm not afraid to, you know, um, tell people my mind or I'm not afraid to say sorry. I'm not afraid to like put my hand up when I've stuffed up. Like yeah. that type of stuff um, is really something I hold quite dear. Um, the second one, I don't know if it's a value, but it was something I was thinking about was like, is reliable a value? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think reliable yeah, yeah. is something that I hope, I think it's more I hope people see me living that value. Yeah, so it's important to you. It's really important to me because I want people around me, whether it be the young people, my coworkers, my friends or family, to be like, Mike's reliable. Yeah. He'll show up. He'll do what he says he's going to do. He'll help out. He'll put his hand up to chip in. I can be counted on whether things are going good or bad. So I guess I hold that really deeply at my core of um, reliability because I think that has a lot to do, particularly in my personal life, like friendship is something I hold like really high up um, in my values. And I think, you know, something that, makes you a good friend is to be that reliable person whether it's good or bad to be like oh mike we can count on him yeah Um, that's cool 
but obviously it counts in your professional life with the young people or with the staff around you, you know. They're yeah, dependable, yeah. reliable, whatever you want to call it. Yep. You, you can count on me. So I think like there's so many different things I could have answered with, but for some reason those two just like jumped yeah. out. Yeah. And I don't know if they're just there because I'm like, God, I hope people say that about me. But, yeah, but that, um, that just frames that, that they're really important to you though. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I – value that in other people strongly yeah like exactly. you know there's there's people who are reliable there's people who are authentic and i'm attracted to those people yeah and hopefully like they're attracted to me because i think they're just yeah two really integral i don't know cause yeah people so yeah yeah nah, those are like my two. yeah <laughs> they're good um so the big question is here hey. <laughs> if you were going to have a boxing fight yeah. what would be your walkout song Man, this one really did make me lose sleep, this question. You know, the first thing that came to me was when I was a kid watching The Simpsons and Homer <laughs> walks out to fight, I think it's Dredrick Tatum, <laughs> and the song that plays is Why Can't We Be Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't we be friends? Yeah. And I just still think that's one of the funniest jokes yeah. ever. I don't know why. I'm just like... Because Homer doesn't want to go out and fight. And I think, I'm like, that is the funniest song of all time. So <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe that's it. And I was like, oh, instead of the comedy route, like, do, do I go the tough guy? Like, what, what song gets me fired up, right? And I was going to my playlist and I'm like, what song gets me angry? And I was like, you know what? The angriest song of all time is Tupac Hit Him Up. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? That's one of the most vicious songs ever. Like, that would get me fired up. And then finally, I, 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 I took a detour and I was like, yeah, a song that's instilled in me that gets me fired up every time, not in an angry way, but just excited, is Simply the Best by Tina Turner. Oh, wow. That's cool. Be- I did not see that coming. Well, you're not from Queensland. <laughs> <Okay>. So um, <laughs> the reason it sits deeply is because um, <laughs> it's a dumb story, but in the early 90s, Tina Turner, Simply the Best, was used by the rugby league, the NRL, as their kind of theme song. It was around oh, okay. 91 or 92. Yeah. But it became like this, it's the most iconic marketing campaign of any sport in Australia type of thing. And that's when I was about six years old and just diehard Brisbane Broncos <laughs> fan. And that song is so ingrained in my brain that um, that it's connected to rugby league and just being super excited. So it has to be Tina Turner. That's cool. Shout out to Tina. What a song. <laughs> what a marketing I really campaign. hope you have a boxing fight just so that can be played. Oh, <laughs> look, I'm going to have to have three fights because I can't make up my I'm so indecisive, man. It's, um, yeah, one day, one day. Awesome. I like that. All right, fourth question. If you could collaborate with anyone in the field, dead or alive, mm. who would it be? Man, I, I thought about this and there's there's a couple. Sorry, I, I don't have clear, concise answers. I love hey. that you like knew the questions. I think you're the first person. Yeah, man. Except I, for me and yeah. I didn't even oh, read my answers. Somehow I'm, I'm more prepared than you and your, your <laughs> bloody podcast. I think, I think it speaks to my indecisiveness that I think has been quite a theme throughout this. Um, I think at the current moment, uh, working inside a justice centre, it's like it just hark, just makes it. I'm always thinking of Nelson Mandela, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to do kind of a, um, a trip to South Africa with work quite a few years back and we did so much learning about leadership, Nelson Mandela, healing, 
humanity, forgiveness, Ubuntu, just so much stuff. And like I was saying, like I'm an experiential learner. So like the 10 days doing that learning changed who I am personally, but changed who I am professionally. And so I'm always kind of drawn back to this like fierce dignity and Mm. like radical forgiveness, Mm -hmm. um, which obviously, you know, Mandela and forgiveness and dignity is just so so amazing what was able to be achieved that it still kind of boggles my mind of like how do you get to that point of especially especially forgiveness but think about the young fellas and girls who work with right now is like they're like we need to get like the dignity is Mm. so important Mm -hmm. at all times um and that forgiveness, not just I'm, – I'm not talking about victims and perpetrators. I'm talking about, like, society, right? Yeah. Is how do we move forward as a society for young offenders, right? Yeah. Um, so that's something that's always at my mind. And just, look, the other people I've thought about is, like, some, like I was saying, the people I worked with at the start of my career, like um, Martin Kelly, who's no longer with us, was one of the biggest influences – of my practice um he was a bit of a older gentleman at the time um paul kelly's older brother that's a hot tip there but um (laughs) he basically was there at ground zero when alt ed was started in brisbane there and he really nurtured me and gave me so much feedback and i just stood back in awe and i couldn't get enough out of spending time with him um and there's yeah you know, like I'm saying, I like to just stand, you know, like I like to soak in people's practice. And he was one person and his partner, Lorraine, um, who was the head of campus, were both just like these like gray-haired older people who were the most gangster people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like they walked into a room of these like tough kids and the kids just gave them so much respect. Yeah. And that's only from their amazing practice, you know. Yeah. Um, so I always think about their influence and go like, you know, what I'd give to be with them tomorrow just to continue to learn, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess those are, yeah. And my last one <laughs> has nothing to do with youth work, but more about philosophy and humanity is Eliud Kipchoge, world's fastest marathon runner, marathon runner nerd here. But the way he speaks about... I guess the human being condition, his philosophy behind running movement and humanity is so far beyond what being a runner is. Um, I just love these different ideas of humanity and what it means for everyone. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of, as you can tell, I'm kind of down this humanity kind of Mm. type thing at the moment. But those are just, but they're people who I've seen either doing it, you know, like they're out there living it, they're not. They're not talking about it. They're actually living in us. So that wasn't one person. Sorry. No, that's fine. But <laughs> you've you inspired me to look someone into someone. <laughs> I'll send you some links. Yeah, I know you will. Don't worry about that. It's all good. <laughs> um, and the last question: If you could make one recommendation that everyone could take as a step towards healing, what would it be? Ah, uh, look. I think I've already mentioned it. Is forgiveness, man? Mm. Forgiveness to yourself like is so important that's a tough one it's so hard yeah that's a really tough one and it's such a journey like Mm. i think just 
if you can, like, there's nothing more freeing than letting go of hate, right? There's nothing mm. more freeing than letting go of, yeah, your discomfort with people or your discomfort with yourself, the guilt of yourself. That forgiveness you can give. Um, and, man, it's hard. Oh, it's, it's so, so hard. hard. And I remember just kind of, like, being really challenged with that when I was when I was a young fellow mm. in my 20s of just really going through some some kind of situations where it was really challenging and then a couple of years later learning about forgiveness and I think this Mandela thing mm. and going to Africa, South Africa, sorry, kind of had this real long-lasting effect of just like letting go and forgiveness of not only, yeah, maybe people have wronged you or you, your situation that you're unhappy with, but also yourself is really um, huge. So not easy though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie and say. And but also it takes so much time. It, it's well, it's, it's a, a long, 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 a long, long, yeah. long, long journey of just being yeah. showing yourself gratitude. You know, being being yeah. open to making mistakes. Um, it's not about the mistake. Like it's the same thing we do with young people, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not about the mistakes. It's what you do after that mistake. Like, yeah. what do you do next? Do you learn from that mistake, or do you go and repeat yeah. that mistake? So, just acknowledging that we are, you know, we can stuff up, but it's about like acknowledging it first, and then thinking about planning for the next step. Like, what do you do with that mistake, and forgiving yourself mm. for that? I think is massive, man. Because if you hold on to that. Mm whether it be like your anger or hate towards yourself or particularly other people, it's a burden. It's a mm. massive burden. And I think mm -hmm. we've all lived with levels of burden, some more than others. And I think uh, if you can slowly chip away at that burden, slowly but surely, man, it's freeing. Mm. Like if you feel lighter, you feel better, you know, but, you know, it's a long journey. And like I said, like I've been lucky. I work in a workplace that teaches you about this stuff yeah. and then you can incorporate it in your own life, right? Yeah, for so sure. Look, I, I say that in my training all the time that like, you know, you're learning so much about how yeah. to work with a human being. Yeah. You're also a human being, so let's apply exactly, it. Exactly, you, know, yeah. you know, the world would be a greater place, right, if everybody had trauma-informed, tra you know, yeah. any any yeah. type of self-awareness training or yep. understand a greater understanding of more than just the presenting yep. human in front of you exactly it would change the game right yep. so i think um i've just been very lucky but i guess yeah i've just i myself have been developing that skill of forgiveness for at least well my whole career now at this point so yeah um, so maybe the tip is just to start that journey really oh, yeah. dude, jump on that journey <laughs> it's just like acknowledgement right acknowledge yeah. acknowledgement of feelings acknowledgement yeah of the cause of it and acknowledgement of like all right what are we going to do next time mm. like how are we going to like sort this out because ignoring or just keeping something as it is yeah it's just a burden man it just weighs you down and slows you down i think mm. so um, be kind to yourself, man. Forgive yourself. Forgive the people around you yeah. um, if you can. So I Love don't know. that. That's my hot yeah. tip. No, it's, power <laughs> it's a powerful one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mike. We're now at Pleasure. the end of our time together. It was so great to have you here. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. No problem at all. Thank you, wonderful listeners, for making it right to the end of the podcast. We appreciate you. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe, give us a rating. We'll be dropping a new episode roughly once per fortnight. 
So you can stay tuned for the next one. Thank you.